We are talking about substantial amounts. When you compare with the current Data Protection Act, where the maximum fine is 500,000, um, and actually the most that's ever been fined is 400,000, it's a huge jump. Welcome to the Get Real About Business podcast, where we uncover the real deal on what it takes to start and grow a business fast. It's all about earning the right where we work hard today so we can reap the reward tomorrow. Prepare for some hot tips today. I'll be your host, Clive Maloney. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Real About Business podcast. This is episode number 31. Thank you for being here. Uh, particularly big thank you if you've been listening to the show up to now and you've got previous episodes and welcome if you're new to the show. What this podcast about, as we said at the beginning of the show, is really about giving you the strategies and the tactics that you can grow your business. And that usually involves talking about marketing, business systems, sometimes it's about entrepreneurship. It's a lot of topics. One thing that we've not covered up to now, we're on episode 31, but one thing we've not covered is anything to do with compliance, how we can stay safe legally. Now, I know that that might sound like it'd be a bit of a yawn-a-thon, but the fact is that our topic today is so, so important and so current that we cannot ignore it. So today's going to be a little bit different. My guest is Kelly Bater from K Bater Consultancy. Uh, Kelly is a HR consultant. She spent years in that field. She's a personal friend of mine. We've known each other for a number of years. And uh, yeah, she basically offers HR solutions and support. And why have I got her here? Well, the big thing at the moment that's coming in, in place in May the 25th, do you know what's coming in force in May the 25th? If not, you really should know it's GDPR. That's the General Data Protection Regulation. That comes into force on May the 25th. It's uh, all to do with how we retain information about anybody, anybody who is an EU citizen. And so this probably affects you if you're listening to this. Uh, you know, Even if you don't live in the EU, if you are somehow collecting data about EU citizens, you must be compliant. And there is big penalties for not getting compliant. So today's topic is really, really important, and I wanted to bring Kelly in so that she could go over what we need to do to get compliant. Of course, this is a specialist subject. You may want to take some uh, further advice after this. You can do that straight from Kelly. We'll give you a link at the, the end of the episode, and also you can go to the ICO website. What I'll be doing is putting some links there to some handy resources. ICO stands for Information Commissioner's Office. They are the people who are responsible for making sure that people are compliant with general data protection regulations. They've been monitoring the Data Protection Act up to now. Of course, the GDPR comes in to replace the Data Protection Act, kind of bring everything more up to uh, you know up, up to modern day uh, sort of modern day practices with marketing and how we hold information, not just marketing, but any information. It could be about your employees, uh, anybody you come into contact with. So this is really, really important. So what we'll do is we'll make sure that we've got links there to Kelly, if you want to get a hold of Kelly um, at the end of the episode. That's on the show notes page alongside links to the ICO website with different tools in there uh, that will help you. So make sure that you check those links out. Right now, though, we're going to dig straight into the interview with Kelly because this is an important subject. 
pin your ears back, take notes, really important, and uh, you know, start thinking about how will you implement GDPR in your business. Here's me talking to Kelly Bater. Kelly, there has been so much talk about GDPR. I know the date is looming fast in May, and it seems that everybody's worried about it. And I'm somebody who kind of takes things quite casually. And now I'm beginning to think maybe I should worry as well. What do you think? I, I don't think you should be worried. Um, I'm telling my clients at the moment, don't be scared, just be prepared. Um, I think if you're burying your head in the sand and thinking that it will go away, then quite rightly, you should be worried. But um, if you start working on protecting the data now, then you do not have any reason to be worried or scared. Yeah. And you know, for the benefit of anybody listening who's been sitting in a hole somewhere and hasn't got a clue what GDPR is, and it's just these random letters, what is GDPR and you know, who does it apply to? So GDPR is General Data Protection Regulations being brought into um, force by the EU. Um, the focus is on living people. Um, they are the ones that have per, they, these people that have personally identifiable information, commonly known as PII in the GDPR world. A lot of acronyms. Um, so that's that's the culture that it focuses on. Um, but those that are affected is any organisation which basically offers goods or services, even free goods or services, so charities as well. Um, or if they monitor the behaviour of EU citizens and this applies to EU citizens wherever they are in the world. Um, so yeah, so that's who it, who it covers really. Any organisation that's collecting data um, and it's focusing on living people. Okay, so this is about data collection and retention and it's aimed at anybody who is serving customers in the EU or working from the EU, is that right? It's anybody that's dealing with data of EU citizens. Okay. So they don't have to be in the EU. It can be uh, countries outside of the EU, but it's, it's all about EU citizens, and they can be anywhere in the world. Right, okay. So if we're dealing with, with EU citizens, we need to be paying attention. Now, you said about personally identifiable information. Now, okay, their name is, is obviously something there. But what else is personally identifiable information? So you've got your obvious ones, which is um, address, the telephone number, but you've also got email address is personal identifiable information um, and it, your national insurance number, any reference which could be led back to the person as an individual um, and even an IP address on, the, on a computer is personal identifiable information. And that's very interesting as well, particularly if you think about e-commerce stores and a lot of web-based businesses where they're collecting. So they might only be collecting a first name and that th they think, well, okay, there's, that's not enough to identify somebody there. But if they're collecting a first name and an IP address, which of course most websites are now these days, then you could probably put those two pieces of information together to identify an individual. Absolutely, yes. So it's anything that you that could be traced back and identify an individual. Okay. So it's relevant to anybody who is dealing with EU citizens. And it comes in force in May. May the what? Uh, 25th. May the 25th. And there's going to be a period of adjustment, obviously, people getting up to speed on this. If we don't get up to speed and if we get called out, what are the potential repercussions? What's the bottom line, Kelly? 
So the bottom line is, is there's a maximum um, fine in system and the maximum fine is 20 million euros or 4% of the previous year's turnover. So that's turnover, not profit. Um, obviously that's the maximum and they will be um, put in line with your business but um, we are talking about substantial amounts when you compare with the current Data Protection Act where the maximum fine is 500,000 um, and actually the most that's ever been fined is 400,000. It's a huge jump. Yeah, that's massive. I remember having the conversations back when I worked um, in local government and uh, we was doing a project there on, on data protection and, and upskilling our workforce there and was talking about the potential penalties for getting it wrong there and it included imprisonment as well is that still the case with gdpr is that a potential outcome uh, i mean if, if it's bad enough um yeah but the, the focus really is on the fines but what you've also got to remember is that you can have the fines that will be imposed but as well the individual can be sued so if somebody um if there's been a breach of the data um, being leaked out then as an individual, if my data has been, um, has been leaked, as an individual, I could sue the individual who has made that breach. So there's a fining system and you can be sued. Okay, so it's like a personal damages situation. Yeah, and absolutely. If there's more than one person, then obviously you could have a collective uh, of people suing you, which could be rather costly. Well, I mean, if you think about that, that's 4% you turn over, you say, 4% yeah. you turn over. And let's say you've got a list, let's say it's a relatively small list of a thousand people and you went and lost or, or somehow, you know, other people got hold of that information they should have. You potentially could have a thousand people suing you plus the 4% of your turnover. You could do. And when you think a simple, a, a breach could be as simple as sending an email with and you haven't blind copied or 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 anything or you know it, it, we, a thousand people it's quite easily done yeah and i don't want to sensationalize this because at the end of the day the uh, the ico the information commissioner's office are going to have to make some decisions some practical decisions about what they do with you and i suppose you probably never really know until it happens and they start actually you know going after people who are who are not doing the things right and so i don't want to sensationalize this but i do want to highlight that you know, as you say, this is a big deal. Having said that, what's the likely, likely occurrence? If, if somebody makes a mistake, what, you know, what's, what do you think is likely to happen if ICOs start picking up on things? So it, what's likely to happen? The first thing that the ICO are going to do is ask, what have you done to um, protect the data within your organization. Now, if you can demonstrate that actually you've, you've reviewed this, you've taken the, the steps that you felt were necessary um, to protect the data, but a breach has still happened, as long as you can demonstrate that you're putting in something into place to prevent that breach from happening, the ICO are going to look favorably um, at, at your organization. So it may be that a fine might not be the outcome. Um, it could be that it's, you know, okay, we've investigated it and you're rectifying it. And actually the impact on the individual is not that great because their data has been leaked. So therefore, you know, you won't get a 4% fine or 20 million euro fine. Um, it, it, they're going to look at it realistically, but, you know, let's remember this is a new um, regulation that's coming in and I believe there will be some examples made of some larger organisations. 
Yeah, that's an interesting point, actually, because I suppose with, with anything like that, when you've got a governing body who's responsible for, uh, for, for ensuring that everybody's compliant, then they're going to want to show that they've got some teeth because they want to use that as an example. Are there any particular companies that you think should be particularly wearful or you know, types of companies that should be particularly wary right now? Well, you know, I mean, TalkTalk Talk have been um, in the public eye a couple of um, times because of data protection breaches, and I'm sure that it won't be the last that we hear from them. But obviously you've got um, the most recent, we've got Facebook at the moment in the public eye, um, and obviously with um, Cambridge Analytica. So that's, that's going on at the moment. They, I mean, we need to watch the space for that one. Yeah. That's, going to, that's going to be a biggie and will and we'll, uh, shape things going forward, I think. Interesting, interesting. Uh, so just coming back to small businesses, because obviously that's, you know, that's the type of people that are going to be listening to this. Um, obviously, it reflects me, it reflects you. What kind of things that should we be thinking about? Like, you know, where's the starting point for us to become GDPR compliant? The starting point. So first of all, I would suggest um, if you are handling any form of personal data, you need to get yourself registered with the ICO. Um, I would suggest doing that now because actually the rate's going up. So they're going to be increasing it now. So the likes of you and I, it will cost, it costs £35 a year to register. That's right. Um, going up to 50 I believe it is, in May. Oh. Um, so if you haven't registered, register now. Save yourself £15. <laughs> um, uh, but then the, the next thing is to uh, do a data protection impact assessment, a DPIA. Um, this is where you look at all the data that you collect, um, understand why you're collecting it, what you're using it for, where you're storing it, how you're storing it, who has access and how long you're retaining it for. That's, um, that's a, a key piece of work to do under the GDPR legislation. Okay, um, so this, this sounds to me like it's a risk assessment. Is that right? Effectively, it's a risk assessment, yes. Um, yeah, it is a risk assessment which identifies all the areas that you need to be aware of under the GDPR, but also gives you um, your guidance on where you need to to fix any potential pitfalls within your um, your data management. Okay, so hopefully a lot of businesses uh, and entrepreneurs are familiar with doing a risk assessment for their business because obviously it's uh, you know a requirement for a number of different things. Obviously, there's a health and safety risk. Uh, so hopefully, you know, we'll get that idea. But what about doing a data protection impact assessment? Because uh, I suppose it's, it's knowing what kinds of stuff to look out for. Is there a format? Are there, you know, perhaps headlines that you could suggest that, you know, we should be looking at? Um, so those that are just listed are, are what, what you should be looking at. It's the, the types of data. So even if you do have employees, which data are you holding on employees? And, it, you know, it's fascinating sometimes when you start going through this information and just <laughs> slightly extreme example, but you've got, you know, somebody's shoe size. Now, you may well need that because of safety boots, for example. So therefore, you've got health and safety legislation, which will tell you that you need to hold that information. However, if you don't require health and safety equipment or safety boots, why have you got somebody's shoe size? Now, I mean, that's a bit of a drastic example, but it's an example as to you're collecting the data but don't actually need it. Therefore, you will stop collecting it and stop retaining it. But if you do need that kind of information, then the legislation will tell you how long you need to retain it for. So it's just a, it's an example, it's an exercise which will flush out 
information that you're you're collecting and retaining um, and that's key really because the a key point of the gdpr is that it's key it's minimization so you're only collecting information that you need yeah. on an individual and that's interesting actually because i was thinking particularly from a marketing perspective if you if you think about uh, some of the platforms that are available like facebook and google adwords a lot of it these days are really about customer analytics and understanding not just the demographics, sort of where people live and what's their income and things like that, but also the psychographics around what they do, sort of what their shopping preferences and things like that. If companies are collecting this information or using a third party like, say, Facebook, what things should we be aware of? Well, what you've got to remember, I mean, obviously Facebook have their own privacy privacy um, and, uh, policies and statements, but... And people are, of course, putting their details out in the public domain, potentially, if they haven't reduced access to, to friends only. Um, but just because it is in the public domain doesn't necessarily mean that those people want their information to be used um, or processed for your business needs. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's key, really, to keep that at the forefront of your mind that, OK, the information might be out there but they still may not be giving you um, consent to use their information. So targeting people from looking on LinkedIn and from Facebook, et cetera, um, I'd think about it before you do it. You need so, consent first. Yeah, that's, um, how, how do you do that? Then if you're using a platform like Facebook or LinkedIn, do you just assume that you know, perhaps you're searching for people in your target market d- demographic? If you're doing a search for that, do you just assume that LinkedIn have got everything sorted and that you can search for people and and then start connecting? I suppose that's not your information until you know until they come on your list and you retain that information. Until you've got permission to use that information, quite rightly. Now I've not looked. I know LinkedIn have recently sent out new um, uh, their their new privacy statements and what they do with their information. Must admit, haven't read it yet. <laughs> got to. <laughs> one of one of my list of things to do um, but yeah it's it's about that you need to think about the way that you contact people when you've got their information via that route um, because um, now it could be you some marketing companies or some companies that are marketing could use legitimate interest as um, a reason for contacting them that you may feel that um, a client's going to benefit from, or a potential client, sorry, a person is going to potentially benefit from the service or product that you're offering. Um, that could be a justification as to why you're direct marketing. Um, but don't rely on it. Right. Now, that's interesting, legitimate interest. I you know, think particularly from a business perspective, we all want new clients, don't we? We, yep. we want to make a difference for the people that we're here to serve. So what is legitimate interest and what should we know about it? So, well, legitimate interest is, you know, it's within the GDPR and it's a reason for um, processing um, personal data. And I believe that a lot of marketing organisations will utilise legitimate interest as a way of doing their target marketing. And it is basically what I've said. It is uh, if you can demonstrate that you honestly believe that somebody will benefit or potentially benefit from a service that you are offering, that is a good read. That would be why you would contact people. Right, right. Now this, 
we've spoken about sort of LinkedIn and Facebook and places like that where you know we're kind of using uh, personal information to target people. But uh, thinking about the tools that we use on a day-to-day basis to communicate with people, the two things that come in mind, one would be like your email management programs like Aweber and uh, a MailChimp. And the other would be CRMs, so customer relationship management software, where we you know, contain all this data and we use that to manage our relationships with our clients. So things like Infusionsoft and uh, I don't know, there's loads of companies out there, isn't there? Uh, what do we need to know about using these, these pieces of, of kit? So um, the first of all, you need, you need to find out what they're doing about GDPR. Now, some of these, Infusionsoft, for example, they're American companies. Now, under GDPR, America is classed as an adequate company, which means that they, um, a company, sorry, country, um, which means that they are not obviously part of the EU, but their um, policies that they've got in place is adequate. Now, the, the, in America, you've got the Privacy Shield, um, which was formerly known as oh, I can't remember. Just safe Harbor. Safe Harbor. So safe sorry, go back. So America had safe um, used to have Safe Harbor, which was recently replaced by the Policy Shield, which is voluntary. So an organisation can volunteer. To, and they sign up to um, honour the Privacy Shield, which is effectively similar to our data protection and our coming GDPR. Um, so a company should have a privacy statement, like we do here on their website, which would refer to hopefully the Privacy Shield. Um, if not, it will be the safe harbour. Um, now, if they do that, then they are classed as... Um, adequate and therefore should be safe for you to use as a as a company that's processing eu citizens data yeah. well, that's really... that infusionsoft do have a privacy statement and they refer to safe harbor you've already done that piece of homework haven't you kelly yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was fast... the, same goes for, the same goes for mailchimp and, and things like that you know they're all aware of it and they're doing stuff and mailchimp yeah. are, are now you know providing ways that you can contact people to get their opt-ins and things like that so they you know they're, they're not blind to it yeah I, I, th- I thought it was interesting to bring that up because I remember um, quite a few years ago when I first started using Infusionsoft uh, of course I was con- conscious of the Data Protection Act I wanted it to be compliant so I contacted Infusionsoft and said look you know are you compliant are you compliant with the UK Data Protection Act and, and they really didn't want to say yes because obviously you know, they're based in US and maybe they're not like 100% confident about what our laws are and so you know what i had to do is is kind of just sort of look at them as a company and say well actually this is a big company they have they have policies in place you know there there are security in place um, just logging in and things like that so i had to kind of make a judgment about that and isn't this what this is all about i mean i'm no legal person at all but isn't this just about looking at uh what we can reasonably do to protect information Yes, it is. It is. And I think, you know, what's different from the current Data Protection um, Act is that that is key. They want you to demonstrate that you've done something about it. Um, they, They want the evidence that you have looked at your data and that you're actively um, attempting to keep it safe. And whilst the data protection, obviously the current DPA 
does want you to do that. I don't feel, um, and I'm sure many others feel the same, that it's been implemented quite as rigorously as the GDPR will be. Okay, so it's, uh, I suppose the big difference here is that there's a big onus on us as, as entrepreneurs and business owners to, to actually have something that's written down and recorded that actually looks at how, you know, what kind of information you'll be using and how you'll be using it and what, what are the precautions that you're taking. So it actually just has to be something written down. Yeah, but obviously it's not, it's not just written down. It's, it, you need to be implementing it and living okay. by it also. Now, a slight difference under the GDPR is you've got data controllers and data processors. Um, for those that don't know, data controllers are the people that say what data is being collected and how it's going to be stored and managed and used, et cetera, et cetera. Data processors are the people who are actually doing what the data controllers tell you. Now, under GDPR, data processors also are liable. Um, where it's always been the data controllers, data processors can now be sued. So it's very much, and fined. So it's very much um, about practicing what you preach. So yeah. it's not just having something written down, it's making sure, and if you do have staff, they are liable and they have obligations to ensure that what you as a data controller, potentially if you're the data controller, a saying should is to be done the data processes are responsible for getting that done and, and that's interesting as well because if you've got a workforce then you, you're gonna have to make sure that they are all aware that not only should they comply with it because this is this is company policy but this is a legal requirement and they will be held personally responsible and accountable yeah and accountable. absolutely training is a key part here and it's not just about one lot of training um you know on the 25th of may uh, and then forgetting about it. it. This is about including it within your induction. Um, it's about doing refresher training maybe every six months to make sure people remember that they, you know, they are accountable and they are liable for, for people's data. Okay, so we all need to be updating people's induction packs and, you know, the handbooks and things like that. Just Absolutely. make sure that there's references there and, and that they get adequate training. Yeah, and the key point for me really is that this needs to be driven from the top. So this comes from however small the, or large the business is. So it's either the board of directors are driving it, or if you're, uh, you know, a, a company with three members of staff, the the owner of that company needs to own the data and how it's managed within the business. So GDPR needs to be implemented from the top. Exactly, and I think that perhaps what we have to do with all of this is remember why gdpr is coming into force you know what's this is but this is about people having personal information and us treating it with respect because they they have trusted us with that information absolutely yes um you know you've got seven principles within the gdpr um and included in that is the integrity and confidentiality but there's also the transparency and fairness as well so it is it's a it's about it is people's personal data and you have to think about your own personal data. You know, what do you want people to be doing with it? And those annoying phone calls that tell you that you've had a car accident the week before, um, you know, where have they got that data from? Cause clearly it's wrong. Yeah. Will, will they stop? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> we can only hope. Yeah. <laughs> And so you, know, you mentioned the seven principles. That's probably worth mm. us just running through, if you would. You, you said there's integrity and, and 
well, you take it from here. Right. Know. Well, so let's let's start from the top. So you've got legality, transparency, and fairness. Okay. What's that? That well, what it says on the tin, really. Um, <laughs> so it's about remaining with it. You know, doing things legally. It's about informing the the individual, the data subject um, who owns that personal data. It needs to be informed about what data you're holding, what you're doing with it, who you're sharing it with, and how long you're going to retain it for. And it's about being fair, you know. It's, uh, I mean, that's a bit of a playground speak, but it's about managing the data fairly. Accuracy, that's the next one. So um, individuals have the right to make sure that the data that you've got is accurate. So that means if you do have a, um, a contact list that you send a newsletter out to on a regular basis, you would want to, on an annual basis or six monthly basis, send the detail or ask the people um, to confirm that their data is correct. Now that could be them logging in somewhere and updating it themselves or, or sending something out on a piece of paper and asking them to amend as appropriate, but it, it must be kept accurate right the next one's purpose limitation which is um you know so that the purpose for which i've already spoken about this purpose for which you're um, gathering the data for um are you just gathering it because you've got some boxes to fill in within your system or or do you actually uh, legitimately need that information um and minimization is again retaining the uh, obtaining the information that you need and no more than that so we've got a storage limitation that's how long do you actually need to keep this information i mean how many companies do we know that's probably got stuff archived we don't even know where it's archived um why have they kept this information for so long now i know you've got some financial legislation which may for accountants or, or for payroll purposes which will say you need to retain this information for six years fine, retain it for six years and then destroy it. You don't need to keep it for 10 years just in case. That, that's interesting you bring that up, Kelly. It's interesting you bring that up because things like finances, knowing that it's six years, uh, that you've got a whole financial information for six years, that's cut and dry. What about business information? Let's say you, you, know, you do a service-based business like yourself as a HR consultant and you're giving advice and helping people as you do. Clearly, you're going to want to retain some information about the client and the service you provide in case there's some recourse, in case they come back to you and say, well, Kelly, that advice you gave me was duff or whatever. I'm sure they wouldn't, of course. But you know, you're going to need to have some information about the clients that you've served. So how do you make the judgment? So, again, if it's, if it's legislation-driven, then go by the legislation. If it's not, then it is your own judgment. But, what I mean, you could say, well, I'm going to retain... Um, Clive, I'm going to take, retain your information for the next 20 years. So long as you've got that within your retention statement, right. um, you know, then that's fine. Um, and you, you can justify why you're keeping it, then that's absolutely fine. But if actually you only need to keep information for three months, state that you're going to keep it for three months and then discard. Um, yeah, it's, it's just you're informing people. So long as you're informing them, they're fully aware that you're going to be retaining that information for a particular amount of time, then you're fine. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. But if you say you're getting rid of it in six months, then do it. Because if somebody does a uh, subject access request, um, then, 
and you've still got the information, then they'll want to know why you still got that information when your retention policy says that you was going to discard it within six months. Right. Okay. So we're going to have to get organised with this and set up some good systems to make sure that we're on top of it. Yeah, but do you know what? It's a good way of working, isn't it? It's keeping... It, it keeps you organised, I think. I think there's some positives that can come out of this. It can actually organise some businesses, um, you know, who some companies who will just collect information for the fun of it. They will just put it in the filing cabinet for the fun of it and then move it to archives, never actually use it. Um, it just keeps, it will keep us more, more organised and um, hopefully proactive. That's a brilliant point you make, actually, because, yeah, we've got all of this data and, you know, how often do we mine the data that we've got? Um, and maybe if we looked at it a little bit more, we'd be able to make that information more useful. And, you know, maybe we'll keep clients longer or get more referrals or, or you know, just, I, I don't know, uh, you know, be more efficient as a business. Definitely. I think if efficiency will come out of this. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit more about marketing. What kind of things should we be looking out for or be aware of with our marketing? So marketing is um, covered under the Privacy and Electronic Communications Regulations, quite often known as PECA. Um, some people may have come across that. And I, I highly recommend that people that do do marketing, particularly electronic marketing, to read um, the, these regulations. So that is Privacy and Electronic Communications Regulations, P-E-C-R, PECA. And there it dovetails with the GDPR. Um, so that's the first thing you need to do is read that become it because actually that was that's 2003 so that's already in place that's not new so if yeah. you are marketing via email text message phone um, you should be fully aware of PECA already right right and actually a lot of what's yeah, what's now become lawful has really been good practice in marketing for some time but of course not many people <laughs> tend to follow that it seems but um, yeah, tell us a little about explicit versus um, implicit consent and, and what that means and what we should be doing. Right. OK, so, yes. So your explicit consent um, is when somebody has given you consent to contact them, to market to them, to send them news um, letters or contact them by telephone, text, whatever. But it's how you've obtained that consent. Um, and it's usually, you know, a tick box perhaps on an email or on a website. Um, so you people would be ticking that box to say, yes, I would like to receive more information from this company on a regular basis. Um, historically, quite a lot of websites have had that tick box already ticked. And then you have to uncheck it if you don't want to receive more information. Um, yeah. That is a big no-no now under GDPR. That's been removed, you cannot do it. Um, as can the boxes where it says tick here to opt out also, whilst GDPR doesn't state that this is a, a no-no, whereas GDPR does the other option, it does say it's a no-no, I think that would be frowned upon. So to tick here to opt out will be frowned upon but also having a tick box already ticked and asking people to untick it if they don't want to be contacted um, will be a big no-no. Okay, so if you've got some kind of opt-in on your website and uh, may maybe you do an ebook or a free report or whatever, which is very common these days, you do that and then maybe you've got a little bit of statement, un statement underneath saying, um, you know, and we'll also be sending you other marketing communications. That checkbox has got to be unchecked and... Uh, 
Uh, I suppose the other way of managing it as well is a double opt-in. Is, is that something you'd recommend? Yes, so double opt-in is also a version, uh, is, a, is, is um, recommended. Just going back to where you, you say you get a white paper or, or, or some form of documentation, um, you won't be able to now say, give me your email address and you will get this for free. Or give me your email address and you will get a cup of coffee for free. That's, they should still be able to get the white paper without opting in to a newsletter. So they'll be able to have a tick box to say, yes, I would like a newsletter to be added to the newsletter, but they should not be automatically added to the newsletter just because they've downloaded a white paper or a free document. That's very interesting. And actually, that's quite a big thing for a lot of marketers who are using inbound marketing, content marketing. That's a big deal for a lot of marketers. It is, yes. It's a big change and one that I'm not sure uh, many people are aware of. It's effectively not bribery, is it? But it's, I'll give you this if you give me that. It's not, it's not going to be um, feasible going forward. Okay, well, I could, I could get into that. I'd love to discuss that more with you. But um, essentially what we need to be doing right now is focus on just getting compliant. Um, so, so I, I kind of want to get on the soapbox about it, but I won't. Uh, just a, another question here is uh, something that's come up from one of my clients recently is that uh, what about when customers send you information? And let, let's think about insurance brokers, mortgage providers, people like that who hold um, personal information, obviously that would fit under the uh, GDPR, uh, and sensitive information that's being communicated electronically or however. Is there anything else that we need to bear in mind to make sure that we're compliant? It's about, like I say, informing the individual whose data it is that you're going to be sharing. So you would have a privacy policy um, as an example, and within that privacy policy, if you are sharing data with third parties, then you need to be uh, stating that within your privacy policy. Your information will be shared with X company um, who will be using the information for such and such. Now it could be that it's a legal requirement, obviously, if we're talking about insurances and things like that, but yeah. if we put that in, they know. And now GDPR is not here to stop you doing what you're doing, it's about getting you to inform the individuals about what you're doing with their data. Okay. So as long as you're, you're putting that within your privacy statement or if you've got a contract with that, with that individual, it'd be part of your contract that you're sharing that information with a third party and what they're doing with it. Obviously, you, need to, you are obligated to make sure that that third party are compliant with GDPR, um, but you're really asking them and then they're telling you that they are or providing you with their privacy statement, whatever it is. It's, it's just about being transparent and informing. Excellent, excellent. Okay, brilliant. Right. It seems like the, the more we speak, the more questions I have, and uh, I'm sure other people will do uh, as well. Can you just, uh, for the benefit of anybody getting to grips with this uh, for the first time, just run through? Um, you, you said it starts with doing an impact assessment, is that correct? Yes, yes. Do an, uh, yeah, do an impact assessment. That's where you want to start. Now, that, that data, um, data protection impact assessment may tell you actually you don't need to change anything because you're already doing what you need to be doing you're already pass, uh, uh, passwording any documents your email or you're using encryption software or you know you could be you could be doing everything you need to do but doing that impact assessment will tell you that it will also tell you whether you're collecting information that actually you don't need to be collecting and okay. then you can stop 
stop doing that. Excellent. Okay. And is there like a pro forma or is there something that people can get hold of that will help them for doing an impact assessment or do they really need to speak to a specialist like you? Well, you know, you can speak to a specialist. You can go to the ICO website, which gives some great information. And they do have um, an impact assessment checklist on there to get you started. Um, but obviously that, so that will give you an overview of what you need to be looking at. Um, there are more and more people who are becoming more and more um, knowledgeable about GDPR that will be able to come in and, and do that work for you because it's quite time consuming. Right. Um, they will know the questions to answer and record, you know, record the information that needs to be recorded. But, um, just, you know, start looking at the ICO website. There's a lot of information on there. Excellent. Excellent. So what we'll do is we'll uh, put some links up to the ICO website to some handy resources there on the GDPR. But, uh, of course, it's, it may well be that people want a little bit more help. Kelly, if they want to get hold of you, if anybody's listening to this, they want to get hold of you a bit more specialist advice, how do they do that? Sure. Well, they can email me um, at uh, my direct email, which is kellybeta at kbetaconsultancy.com. Or they can contact me on um, 01708 446 505. Or, of course, there's the uh, the website, which is www.kbetahr.com. Excellent. Excellent. We'll put, uh, we'll put that link again on the show notes page. So uh, this will be getreallyaboutbusiness.com forward slash 31. Uh, all the links that, uh, that we've talked about today, most importantly, the link to Kelly, uh, then you can get that on the show notes page there. Uh, Kelly, thank you so much for what you shared. I'm going to ask you one final question. One, one final question just sure. to leave us on. And that's, where do you think people are going to go wrong most? What should we really be looking out for? I think people who do not do anything will be the ones that obviously go wrong. I think people who think that this is not happening or is not going to be implemented as rigorously as the Data Protection Act um, should be worried. So maybe the message is we've really got to take this seriously, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. I would take it seriously. I think um, it's, you know, the not to mention the um, companies going, uh, con- sorry, the UK will be introducing the Data Protection Bill, which actually goes one step beyond GDPR. Um, that's coming. So let's get personal data right, and then we can get prepared, ready for the, the rest of the data when the Data Protection Bill comes in. <laughs> Excellent. Something for us to all look forward to, no doubt. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so really useful interview there from Kelly Beta. Um, I can't emphasize enough, you know, I think Kelly's, <laughs> Kelly's done a good job, uh, but really we've got to get this cracked. This is, this is about, one, it's about remaining legal and compliant so we can avoid getting into trouble with the ICO and, and all, all sorts of fines. But also this is about, this is about public trust. Trust um, from anybody who's using our service that we're collecting data from um, who are EU citizens. We must get this right. And, uh, you know, if the penalties are getting it wrong, just, you know, are, are not worth thinking about. So my call to action to you right now is to make sure that you do start working on your impact assessment on this. Again, what I've done is put some links up on the show notes page. So if you go to getreallyaboutbusiness.com forward slash 31, then you'll be able to uh, get the links there. That will take you to uh, what you know, one is you've got a link there for Kelly if you want any specialist advice there. Uh, but certainly, I would start by checking out the ICO. Lots of 
useful information on the ICO website. And again, the ICO stands for Information Commissioner's Office. Make sure that you do that. Make sure you comply and you stay out of trouble. And uh, of course, you protect your uh, uh, your people's data. Really, really important. Uh, thanks very much uh, for listening to this to the end. Again, an important topic. I hope you'll take it seriously. Next time, we are going to be back. We're going to be back next week with another interview from one of my other friends, Mark Sexton. Now, Mark Sexton is a really interesting guy. He works with young people and small businesses and puts those two together in a very interesting way. You can find out about that in the next episode. Until then, if you want to stay in touch with me, and you can stay in touch with Kelly that way as well, if you just pop onto my Facebook group, it's called Earning the Right. Uh, you can come and tell us what you've been up to. And uh, you know, I'd love to know where you are in GDPR right now. Are you GDPR ready? So if you are, do me a favor, pop onto the Facebook group and uh, just put in the hashtag. I'm going to do this, you know, an episode coming up actually, just a bit of fun. See, see who listened at the end. Again, the link is in the in in the show notes page, and uh, just put the hashtag GDPR ready. So that's hashtag GDPR ready. And of course, if you're not ready, you can put in the hashtag GDPR not ready. <laughs> Either way, I'd love to know. Come and join us on the Facebook group. Tell us what you thought of the episode, and uh, and put those hashtags there, or at least one of them, and uh, you know we'll find out how you're doing. If you're loving this, uh, please come back and uh, you know listen to the next episode. And if you feel up to it, if you really love this, um, then I'd love for you to be one of the people who are leaving five-star reviews for us. Uh, so please pop onto iTunes. But most importantly, stay in touch. Until next time, take care of yourself. Here's to you and your highly successful business.